0: All right, if you're turning with me in your Bibles. Uh I'm not even sure where I'm turning. I apologize, Sarah, for giving you some scriptures that I'm probably not turning to. I think I'm just gonna start in Genesis. I think I gave you like I gave you a bunch of Philippians scriptures, but I'm not gonna turn to those. I'm just gonna start in Genesis. Kind of changed up here, uh, I've been studying and working on this message all week that I was going to teach you guys about, and it was going to be kind of funny and good, I thought, but God apparently didn't because I, it got changed up on me, and it makes me a little nervous because I'm not as prepared with this because I was going to talk to you guys about kind of tag off of what we talked about last week about growing fruit and being connected to the vine and, and bearing much fruit, and then I was going to talk about being a fresh breath of air. And I was going to talk to you about the mask that you wear. And, you know, because mask, that's a good hot topic to talk about. And I was going to talk a lot about masks that we wear, whether good or bad. And a lot of times Christians wear masks. But I think I'm going to scrap those scriptures in Philippians. I will start out by talking to you about a fresh breath of air. Did you know that you could be or even... As a Christian, as a Jesus follower, you should be a fresh breath of air to the world that you're placed in, to the people that you come in contact with. Like you you could be fresh breath or you could be that toxic breath. Like you can choose to be the negative person. We talked about last week that fruit won't grow in a toxic environment. If you're supposed to be producing the fruit of the spirit in your life, it's not going to grow there's too much toxicity so you shouldn't be toxic you should be healthy and full of joy God breathed the creative breath into Adam and it's in you that same breath it's inside of every one of you if you're a believer that breath is in you the creative breath of God the breath of our creator the wind of the spirit the breath of God it's all the same word Breath of God, wind of God, wind of the Spirit, Holy Spirit. It's that breath that's on the inside of you. Did you know that you can put on a gas mask and then walk through a toxic environment and be fine? You can breathe with poison all around you if you have on the right mask. You have the right tool, if you will, then you can be inserted into a toxic environment, an environment that would knock somebody out or kill somebody, and you can walk straight through it and not even be affected by it. So today, what I'm hoping is, because I know that in this world, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulation. And I know that that times are crazy right now and there's all kinds of stuff going on in the world and there's everything from... COVID to sickness to wear a mask not wear a mask to political stuff to racial injustice to I, I mean the whole world there's so many things going on right now so many things so there's all kind of negativity there's all kind of stuff that we need to try to figure out what's right what's wrong what, what do I do here do I stand up here do I say something here do I there's all kinds of toxic things But I believe that in the Word and in the Bible and and by coming to church, we're kind of handing out gas masks. Like God says, here's some tools, here's what you need. Put this on and you'll be able to breathe fresh air, fresh breath. So today I'm hoping to give you a gas mask. Well, I know what I need to do. Yeah, that's what I worry about because... A lot of people come to church every week. I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about all those other people that are traveling or not here today. I know this isn't most of y'all. But a lot of people just come to church every week, and they get that little drink of water for their soul, for their spirit, but then that's it. Like, then they go through the rest of the week, and they don't put anything else in. They don't get any more word. They don't pray. They don't worship. They don't seek after God. They don't... They don't use the tools that are given. Right? Oh, well, I know what I need to do. I know I, need, I probably need to pray more. I, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do what Pastor Dusty said in that message about gratitude. Yeah, I should probably do that. But but I'm a procrastinator. No, All the procrastinators, raise your hand. See, the real procrastinators will raise it in a few minutes. <laughs> right. uh, okay but what I would say to you when you say you're a procrastinator is I would say no you're not what yes I am see I really don't think anybody's a procrastinator let me prove it to you if I told you be here Meet me in the church parking lot at 4:30 a.m. tomorrow morning, and I'm gonna give you $5 million cash. Would you be here? You're dang right you'd be here. What if you got a flat tire? You'd run, even if you don't run. I bet you'd call an Uber. I bet you'd call a friend. You'd be standing in that parking lot at 4:30 a.m. You know you would every person in this room would be standing there in the parking lot with about 15 others that I'd be wondering how they even heard about it. You'd be here. Your job wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter if you got home and your wife said, I don't want you to go there tomorrow morning. You'd say, well, we're going to have to work it out later, but I'm going. What I'm trying to say is nothing would stop you. Why? Because it would become number one priority. That's about money. That's about something that's here today and gone tomorrow. Jesus said that moths will eat that up. It'll be gone. But all of a sudden, you're not a procrastinator anymore. Come hell or high water, you'll be at the church at 4 30 a.m. Why? Because it is important. And it's more important than anything else you have going on tomorrow. Oh, it's a priority. It's a goal that you will make happen. So it's not that you're a procrastinator with spiritual things. No, it's just not that important to you. You got a a lot of other things that are higher on your list of importance. I know Dusty said, I need to form relationships, but you know what? I got this, this, and this I need to do. And I'm. It's just not high up on your list of priorities. So what you need to figure out is how to make it a priority. How do I make the things that should be the most important, how do I make them the most important so that I get them done? Because then nothing will stop you. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at how how we can get it done, how we can walk through this life and, and still breathe fresh air and produce fruit and, and go through these crazy times and put our gas mask on. So I was going to go to like four places in Philippians and show you how Paul does it. But I really feel like I'm supposed to go and, and start you in Genesis. I'm going to go to Genesis Genesis 4. 25 is where I'm going to start. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. Adam slept with his wife again. Good verse. She had a son whom she named Seth. And she said, God has given me another child in place of Abel, whom Cain killed. And then Seth had a son whom he named Enosh. Just that verse. Now that part, the first part of that verse, Adam slept with his wife again. That slept with, they didn't just go take a nap. He knew her, had sexual relations with his wife again. Now why did the scripture feel the need to record that? Right? It doesn't record that every time somebody sleeps with somebody in the scripture and tell us, and Adam slept with his wife again. No. Because they had gone through great pain. You know the story of their first two boys, Cain and Abel? Well, Cain gets mad and killed Abel. And then Cain gets banished and he's gone. Now imagine, if you will, the parents, Adam and Eve. How you think they felt? I'm going to say like failures. You're the original parents. You didn't do a very good job. Right? You raised one boy with an anger issue so bad that he killed the other boy, and then he was banished, so you're not in a relationship with him either. That's a lot of pain. It was unexpected it hit them out of nowhere. Of course, they didn't expect for one of their boys to kill the other boy. I mean, my son, I, Titus and Sky argue a lot, but I sure wouldn't expect one of them to kill the other one. So there had to be questions of where did I go wrong? What did I, what did I do wrong? There was a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And we don't know how much time was in between there. But there definitely was a period of time where they wouldn't even... Apparently didn't even sleep together. Why? Because I'm not trying that again. It didn't work. It's too much pain in that situation. And after a period of time, he slept with Eve. They tried again. They had another baby. And today I, I changed up the whole message because I felt like God wanted me to tell somebody, you need to try again. See, I don't know what it was that hurt you. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what it was that kicked you in the teeth, but you got to try again. You know what able means? The son that they lost is a Hebrew name. And it means breath. Abel means breath. And I felt like God told me that somebody got the breath knocked out of them. They lost their breath. You ever had the breath knocked out of you? It's usually unexpected. You didn't see it coming. (laughs) And that feeling, that's where Adam and Eve were. Got the breath knocked out of them, but see, you got to get up and try again. If you're on a football field and you get the breath knocked out of you, what you got to get back up and get back in the game? At some point, it's okay to take a minute to get your breath back. They took a minute. They took some. We don't know. Maybe they took years. The Bible doesn't tell us how much time was in between there. But I'm going to tell you three things you need to do when you get the breath knocked out of you. When you lose your breath, when something unexpected happens, the first one is try again. Psalm 139 says that God has a book in heaven written about me. And I want to tell you today don't get stuck on a chapter. Maybe you had some rough chapters, and maybe you had some things that didn't go like you planned, and maybe you got the breath knocked out of you, but that chapter was never meant to be the underlying theme of your life story. It was a chapter. So go to God and get in relationship with people that can help you find healing and move on so that it becomes part of your testimony, part of your God story, And not the underlying theme of everything you do from now until the grave. That's not how God designed it. Try again. Keep slaying giants. Keep taking mountains. How do I try again? Maybe you're like Adam and Eve. I feel like a failure. Or maybe you feel like the pain is too great. How do I do it? You must believe that God is for you. And you must believe that He is working. He'll work all things together for your good. Look at 2 Corinthians 4.13. We having the same spirit of faith. According as it is written. I believed. And therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. You hear that? Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth. And and he's saying, I believed. Therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Speak you believe and you speak you believe and you speak believing is what I allow in my heart I hear all kinds of things but what I choose to believe what I choose to hold on to to put my faith in to to hope in what what I choose to believe in is what I allow into my heart see, I want to be informed about all the stuff that's going on in the world. I don't want to just stick my head in the sand and pretend like nothing's going on. But I don't want to cross that line and be obsessed. See, I don't want that to be all that I'm pouring into my heart and my soul. Because that's not good and that's not who I'm called to be. So we can be informed. I'm not saying we just act like nothing bad's going on. But we can't become obsessed. We can't let that be all that we're pouring into our heart and our soul. You control what goes in, and that shapes what you believe. What's in your heart, it shapes what you believe. And what you believe, that's what comes out. That's your voice. Remember, the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's inside, it will be revealed eventually what you keep on putting in you, you've heard that old saying garbage in, garbage out it's true you're not going to be giving fruit and fresh water and living water to the people around you if all you're putting in is toxins toxic waste all it will produce is death well I can't control when somebody comes up and says something negative to me or gives me some poison Think about this. If you're drinking tons of fresh water and you get a little bit of poison or something toxic, or like a, I don't know, a bird flies by and poops in the well, okay, you're drinking tons of water, then it's just going to flush it out. But if you're drinking mostly toxic stuff, mostly poison, with a little bit of water here and there like on Sunday morning, when Dusty gives me one fresh little drink and then the whole rest of the week all I'm taking in is toxicity hmm don't be surprised if there's not much fruit in your life don't be surprised if your soul feels dead more than alive there's a scripture that says actually Jesus said it um, Jesus said to the disciples Let not your heart be troubled. Y'all know the scripture. Believe in God. You believe in God. Also believe in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. It's that scripture. But the very first part, what Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. That means you can let your heart be troubled or not. Oh. What does that mean? All these things that I'm allowing into my heart. On a daily basis, on an hourly basis, these things that I'm getting obsessed with, these negative things, these toxic people that I've surrounded myself with, and I'm letting it get into my heart, and it's affecting what I believe. And then what I believe, or what's the abundance of my heart, that's what's coming out my mouth. So now I've let so much in that I've become that toxic person, because I'm spewing that mess out. because it's what I'm full of. What are you full of? You can let your heart be troubled or not. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. I brought this watering tin. This is Jesse's watering tin off the front porch. She wanted to make sure I don't mess it up because these are hard to come by, apparently. It's a cute one. You like it? Okay, so this is a watering tin. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think just sometimes we get it wrong because, like, out of the abundance of the watering tin, the spout pours. It's very simple. hearts like a vessel and if I fill it up with all this good then that's what's coming out if I fill this thing up with water then I can go water the plants in the flower box and they look great and it brings life it brings fruit if I go fill it up with gasoline out of the abundance of the watering tin the spout pours what are you filling yourself up with? What do you choose to believe? We all have different experiences, right? We all go through life. We all experience different things. We were all raised in different families, most of us. I see a few siblings in here of mine, so we are raised in the same family, but still have different experiences, different things that we've walked through. Different times we've had the breath knocked out of us. Your experiences will become one of two things. It will either become bitterness or testimony. Depending on what you do with it. You walk through all kinds of things, and there's people in the room that have been through abuse, and there's people in the room that have been through addiction, there's people in the room that are in the middle of an addiction right now, there's people in the room like we're all in different places, and that stuff can either become bitterness that unforgiveness inside your heart, or it can become a testimony. Revelation says, They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The word testimony just means your God story. So if the things you've been through, if you find healing, it becomes part of your God story. It becomes part of you saying, that's what God brought me through. That's what God did in my life. Yeah, it was abuse. Yeah, it was pain. Yeah, it was hurt. Yeah, it was a stupid decision on my part. Or yeah, it was a stupid decision on somebody else's part that affected me. Or doesn't matter because Romans 8 28 says that God works all things together for the good of them that are called according to his purposes so it doesn't really matter what happened or how it happened right but we have to trust God to do the healing what matters is what we do with it what matters is that we try again It can either become bitterness or testimony. Like I know you know people like this, but there are people in this church that have been through such hard things in their life that I know of, that I've walked through with them, and their faith gets stronger, and they sing a little bit louder. And people from the outside looking in would say, how are you even a Christian anymore? How do you still have faith? How are you growing with all the things that have happened to you, the loss that you've experienced, whatever it is? And then I know other people in, other people in my life that they get a flat tire and lose their faith. It rocks them. We all have experiences in life, but what matters is what you do with it. We determine what we believe and what we will speak or the song that we'll sing. You know, you can't choose a lot of things that happen in life. You can't choose what other people do or the world goes crazy or goes back to normal. or There's a lot of things that you can't choose, but you choose what you believe and you choose what you speak. You can choose both of those things. And it will change not only your life, but your world. The world that you're placed in. If you choose to believe and speak the right things, if you choose to hear what God's saying and believe that and speak that, even if it doesn't line up with the circumstances, watch it change you and the world. The world that you're placed in you choose what you believe and you choose what you speak. So what am I saying? Don't allow your life or your soul to get stuck in a moment of trauma. You got to bring it to God. Some people are stuck five years ago, 10 years ago, six months ago, don't get stuck. Find healing. And then it will become part of your story. Not the underlying theme. A scar tells a story. An infective wound negatively affects the whole body and ultimately brings death. Hear that? If you find healing, a scar tells a story. You remember where you got that scar, what you went through to get that, but an infected wound, it hurts. I don't know if you've ever had an infection, but it hurts. And if it's not dealt with or cleaned out, the longer it goes on, the more pain you will experience. And ultimately, it'll kill you if you don't ever get it taken care of. A lot of us walk around with spiritual wounds in our soul and we won't let them get cleaned out. We won't... Go talk about it. We won't see a counselor. We won't let it get opened up and washed with the water of the word like we saw a few weeks ago. And so we're walking around with these infections and it affects our life. It affects our body. It affects who we are. And ultimately it will bring death. Not physical death. Death to your soul. You won't see the life that God has for you. Look at Matthew 12, 35. Look what Jesus said about your heart. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Pretty simple. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Okay, so we're going to move on through these next two and wrap it up. Number one, try again. Gotta try again. Number two, dream again. It's time for somebody to start dreaming again. You stopped dreaming a long time ago because of some disappointments or because, I don't know, maybe you felt like a failure like Adam and Eve did. Maybe you thought you weren't going to try having any more kids because those kids turned out like idiots. Or I don't know what it is, right? Whatever it is, it's time to dream again. They needed time. How much time? We don't know. Bible left that out because there's not a set time on it. I don't know what you went through. You... It may take you a little bit longer to find your healing than. So I don't know. We don't have a set time on it. And and don't get me wrong, let me say this. You need to grieve. It is not only healthy, but it's part of the healing process to grieve. You must grieve, or you will never heal. So don't hear me wrong and think, oh, I just need to, I just need to push it down and move on past it. No, you need to grieve the loss. Because in that grieving is how we find healing. See, you must grieve, but you must grieve with hope. Paul said, we grieve as those who have hope. Remember that scripture? Or, or no, I think he said we grieve. Not as those that have no hope. That's how he worded it. Same thing. We grieve as those that have hope. Right? We have a hope. Why? That's a healthy way of grieving. Because we have a hope that the future is going to be better. We have a hope that God's going to work it out. And even though it hurts, like, you know what, right now, I still have a hope that God can work it out. Even if I can't see it, that's what he was talking about. We grieve with hope. Grieving can be a way to honor my past. But dreaming is how I honor my future. Don't dream too soon. Like don't just jump in and start dreaming and forget to grieve. Because you'll have this underlying wound that you never let heal and you didn't grieve. And don't just act like something didn't happen. No. Talk about it. Don't dream too soon. Make sure you grieve. But grieve with godly people who can keep you grieving with hope. If you grieve without hope, it gets dark real quick. If you're grieving without hope, it's real easy to slip into a depression or it's real easy to go to a dark place or it's real easy to look for a substance to numb because don't grieve without hope. As believers and as Christians, that's not how we grieve. That's what Paul said. It's not how we grieve. We grieve with hope. We grieve with each other. Cry with those that cry. But at some point, it's time to dream again. Grieving is the natural and justifiable response to past pain. Dreaming is the supernatural response to God igniting something in me for my future. You know what a dream is? It's a faith picture of the future. It's what a dream is. When I go to the gym and I jump on a treadmill, it's not because I'm slim and buff. It's because I have a faith picture that if I get on this treadmill enough times, I can look like Benny as I point to where Benny normally sits and he's out of town. Canaan. Much slimmer than me. (laughs) Sorry, I pointed at you, Canaan, and said Benny. What Because I have a faith picture. I have a dream of what it could be, so now I'm gonna walk it out. Remember, we're saved by grace. There's nothing we can do. We can't earn it, we can't buy it. Like, we're saved by grace, but scripture tells us we walk by faith. Right? So I've got a dream, now what? I've gotta walk it out. I'm gonna just sit here dreaming. Because nothing's ever gonna happen. I gotta walk it out. I gotta take the steps that I know to take. I gotta put on the gas mask. I can't just say, thank you, Pastor Dusty, and hang it off my belt loop. I'm still gonna die from the poison. I put it on my head. And you do too. It's time to dream again. Maybe your life sucks right now. Okay. But this is what separates us from the animals. You have the ability to get a vision, to get hope for the future, to get a dream for the future. And you can spiritually and emotionally find joy in what is to come. You know that? You can get a vision, a hope, a dream for the future, and even if you're in a pretty bad set of circumstances right now, you can get a joy and a hope because you know that your God's that big that He's taking you somewhere better and He's going to use all this mess that's happening around you anyway. So, like, animals can't do that. They can't dream or imagine a future. I know some of y'all thought your dog could, but he can't. He just knows what's happening right now. If he's in pain right now, all he knows is pain. But as humans... We're created in God's image and we have the ability to imagine, to dream the future. And we can have joy no matter what situation we're in. Oh, I don't believe that. I can't do that. All I know is what's going on. You don't know how bad my life is if you're telling me I can have joy in this situation. If you tell me, I don't believe that. Yeah, you do. You just do it in the opposite way. It's called fear. Same thing. You're having a dream or a vision of the future of something bad or negative happening. And you're living out of those emotions and feelings. I'm telling you, turn that around. You kill joy and hope and life and fruit by dreaming of fear. Okay, third one. Third one and we're done. You got to try again. Dream again. And then what? Expect again. Eve was literally expecting. Think about that. They're the first parents ever. She couldn't like go out and buy some books on what to expect when you're expecting. You just had to kind of figure it out, right? And so she was expecting again. Well, it was a failure the first time, right? There was unimaginable pain the first time here we go we're expecting again we're going to expect for something better I got the breath knocked out of me I lost my breath but I'm going to expect again expectation is the breeding ground for miracles she was expecting a baby she was expecting some fruit she was expecting God to bless them You ever heard that saying, the man who thinks he can and the man who thinks he can't are both usually right? That's true. What do you expect? Like, what do you expect to happen? I expect to get a hit every time I step up to the plate. And even if I don't, the next time I expect to get a hit. It's time to expect again. The kid that God gave him says they named him Seth. And Seth is a Hebrew name that means compensation. So I lost my breath. Got the breath knocked out of me. God says, if you'll try again, if you'll dream again, if you will expect again, I'll give you compensation. In other words, God will make it worth your while. God will use it. God will bring healing. And I know it's hard to try again. I know it's hard to dream again. I know it's hard to expect again, especially if you feel like you've already done that. But God says He'll make it worth your while. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Familiar verse. Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. Oh, not my bad. That says all. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In some of your ways acknowledge him oh no that says in all of your ways as I read that verse this week I think all is the key word there all of your ways that word ways is a Hebrew word it means path, route, journey or in your way of life in all of your path in all of your way of life in all of your ways acknowledge him And that word acknowledges, it's a Hebrew word. It means to know, to recognize, or to understand. To know, like to be in relationship with. And He shall direct your path. To know Him. To look for Him. In all of His ways. The key word there is all. We sing, I surrender all. But do we? In all of our ways, in our way of life. More like I will give you some. I will give you a little bit. It says, trust God with all your heart. With all that you feel and your emotions. And lean not into your own understanding. Right? You're understanding what makes sense. Why? Because sometimes what God's telling you to do or what we're instructed to do in Scripture or what Pastor Dusty's telling you you need to do, it it don't really make sense. It's not really what your head's telling you to do. So he said, lean not into your own understanding, right? Because this ain't going to make sense some of the time. That means trust God with your head. Sometimes my heart and my head are going in different directions. These two verses gave us three things that we could trust God with, that we should trust God with. It's our heart and our head. And the third thing you can trust Him with is your hope. Because at the last part it said, He will direct your path. That's your hope for the future. That's your belief. That's your dream like, hey, I don't know, whatever I'm going through right now, I still have a hope. I trust God with all of my heart. Everything that I believe. I trust God with even with my understanding. I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm going to trust Him with my head. And, and He gives me hope. God is speaking. In fact, God is singing over you today. And I, I completely changed up what I was going to talk. To you about because I feel like somebody in the room needed to needed to hear this. Um, in the Civil War, the night before the Battle of Stones River, the Union Army was on one side and the Confederate Army was on the other. Both sides of the river, they were enemies, had different beliefs. Didn't like each other. They would rise in the morning and kill each other. And they were camped on either side of the river. And according to the tradition of the time, the bands would play an evening serenade. So the Confederate band played. And then the Union band started playing a song that everyone knew. Called Home Sweet Home. And as the Union band played, they heard a strange sound from across the river. There are different accounts of that night, but they say that the Confederate Army started singing along. And then not only singing along, but the Confederate Army started singing harmonies with them. There's two armies camped across the river. Tomorrow... They would wake and kill each other. But tonight they sing the same song. It resonated in all of their hearts because they all just wanted to go home. They sang harmony with the song that was being sung. They were singing the same song because they had the same dream. I just want to go home. Right, forget the hate, forget the killing, forget the political stuff like these people sang in harmony with each other. They sang the same song. Zephaniah three fourteen tells us Sing, old daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all thy heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Israel and Zion and Jerusalem were in a bad place at this time. The Lord hath taken away thy judgments. He hath cast out thine enemy. The King of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil anymore. Hmm. Hmm. In every situation, you can see evil or good. He's telling them, stop seeing all the evil. See the good. Remember, trust in me. In the day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear fear thou not. And to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Say, remember how big I am. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in His love. And He will joy over thee with singing. God sings. You know that? We see this here and we see other places that that God sings. I can't wait to get to heaven because as far as I know, God's perfect. So I'd like to hear His voice. I want to hear him sing. And this says he sings over you. He's singing over his people. And it's a song that you know. It's a song that's familiar to your soul. He's singing. And if you listen to the song that God's singing. And start to sing along with him. Start to say what God's saying. Listen across the river. And even if you're mad at God, even if you're at war with God, if you will listen to the song that he's singing and start to sing, get in step with him and start to sing harmony with him and to to hear his voice and, and start to sing. Job 38 tells us that stars and angels sing. Revelation tells us that there are four creatures and 24 elders singing around the throne. Psalms tells us that creation sings, the mountains and the hills. So God sings, and the angels sing, and elders sing, and saints that have gone on before us, they sing, and and He invites us to sing. Another place in Revelation, it says that the angels are singing Moses' songs. Right, so Moses wrote a song after God delivered them from Egypt. Moses wrote a song of praise, and it was such a good song. Like this was this must have been one good song because it was so good that the angels looked down and said, Dang, it's a good song. So the angels stole Moses' song and were singing it in heaven. It's a good song. I hope I'd like to be able to write songs good enough that angels are ripping them off. Why? Because angels were created to worship like they ain't got much choice. And you know, then the last one, you know, the devil, he was the worship leader. And when he, last time he tried to buck up, he got kicked out with all the people that were with him. So they don't have a whole lot of choice. Like we were created to worship, we worship. Humans were given free will. And so... When angels look down and they see us here on earth, and and even though we're going through a hard situation, even though we're going through hurt or pain or something bad's happening, and they see us choose to worship. Remember like Paul and Silas thrown in prison and at midnight, they were thrown in prison for doing the right thing, for doing what God told them, and they got whipped and beat. And at midnight, they chose to sing praises to God. Like that, or, or like Moses, after all they had been through, the angels are looking down at a human singing praises, choosing to praise. Like, God, you're not even forcing it. He's just praising you. Job said, though you slay me, yet I will trust you. That's a hope for the future. As, you know what that, I, I might have gotten knocked down, but I'm going to try again. I'm going to dream again. Maybe my last dreams didn't work out too good. Maybe I got the breath knocked out of me. But I'm going to expect again. I'm going to sing the song that God's singing over me and that God sings over his people. I know it's hard. I'm not minimizing your pain. But I need you to try again. Let's pray. God, thank you for speaking. God, thank you that you're alive and living. God, thank you that you know what we need and when we need it. We give you permission to to interrupt our plans. God, we thank you for growing us up. We thank you for teaching us and guiding us. God, I pray for healing and health, that you would keep us all safe, and no matter what we're going through, that you would walk with us and give us a realization of your presence. God, we love you. Thank you that you have a purpose for every one of our lives. Help us to find that purpose and stand in it. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.